Welcome to Pricking the Bubble. Now, guys, here at Pricking the Bubble, we're all about getting people to think about things they either never think about or only think about, steal a line from Obi-Wan Kenobi, from a certain point of view. So today we're going to do things a little bit differently. However, before we do that, I'm going to introduce our regular special guests. So start, first of all, Dr. Raven, how are you? Hey, Mike the Lama, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. How's your week been? How's the last week in home detention been? Home detention, yes, we're all in home detention here. It's uh, uh, mostly unexciting. Great. How about you? Oh, yeah, another day, another dollar. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Th- that dollar was singular, I noticed as well. Yeah, another, another, yes, that's that's it. Another day, another dollar. That's single it's just dollar. like one big day. <laughs> Thank you. Introduce all the other buggers. Ah, uh, yes. Audio Pete, how are you up there? I'm good, Mike Lama. How are you? And how are you, Dr. Raven? Uh, pretty well, yeah. yeah. Doing well. Yeah. How are you, right. Audio Pete? Is I'm Mike good, doing yeah. well there in the bush? Yeah, yeah. Now, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, I just want to point out the way this works is that at Pricking the Bubble, what we do is we try to uh, talk about topics that um, usually annoy Dr. Raven. So (laughs) topics that uh, I have have a position on or maybe Audio Pete has a position on, and we know that Dr. Raven will have a different position. But also part of it is just to discuss things for the sake of discussing things. Um, so as I introduced, uh, I want to do something a little bit different today. So my question is going to be, Dr. Raven, do you have any personal connection to cancer at all? Uh, do I have a personal connection to cancer? Uh, I do, actually, now that I think about it. Yes, yes, my, um, my brother. Yeah, he, he, uh, he got um, testicular cancer. Right. And he, um, he, uh, well, he, 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 he came out of it. He came out of it all right. Went into, you know, got, got treated, went into remission, all of that. Everything's fine. Well, as far as we know, everything's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of my, that was a bit of a shock. It was my personal connection. I, yeah. I guess I, I've also got another bit of a connection, I suppose, because my, um, my good wife, of course, as you may know, is in the health industry and she has worked for, uh, in, in and around cancer hospitals pretty much for the, for the last 20, 30 years. Mm, yeah. Um, so yeah. She's worked at Peter McCallum Cancer Institute. She's worked at um, um, Sydney Breast Cancer Institute for quite a while. Um, so yeah, and and is currently in in an area where cancer does get treated. So yeah, I've got a. Uh, when I think about it, I've got a bit of a personal connection, unfortunately. And so, you know, the the strange thing is, when I asked you that question, I'd completely forgotten about where she worked, and I had no idea about your brother. So there you go. It's, there you um, go. Yeah. yeah. Now. You may look around the room here, Dr. Raven, and for our guests, we're looking at it on the screen here, and we have several guests with us today. In no particular order, I will say hello to Joe. Hi there, Michael. I'm <laughs> Good. Uh, I will say hi to Pat. Mike. <laughs> and I'll say hi to our extra special guest, Coombsy. How you doing? Mike the Lama. Get it on. So what I wanted to do is talk about, we, we have these guests, and unlike, uh, I would say, Audio Pete, unlike Dr. Raven, your good self, and me, the, our guests have had uh, a connection to cancer directly in that they either have or had cancer. Um, and what I wanted to do is just try and get some of their stories, but um, also to, to talk about the different ways that they um, have uh, gone about well, not just dealing with it, but uh, also um, raising awareness, which I know Coombsy does a lot. Um, so maybe, maybe we'll start with Coombsy. I'd really be interested to hear your story. Well, um, firstly, thank you for the opportunity. It's always, it's always good to to raise awareness. I suppose. It yeah. Is my uh, uh, look, my, mine was very simple. I, I basically uh, talking to my wife, and all of a sudden I. Had a grumbly voice and had a headache and come back to bed and could hardly talk. Being a teacher, I just thought I'd overdone it a bit that day. <laughs> um, 
So I sort of, you know, straight away, yep, just for no improvement. Week went saw my he just said the same thing. He said, but maybe it's a bit more yeah, for a week. No talking, no work. You should be right. No worries. Another week went by. It's not an entire the, the round of tests started. And the first two or three, they were just getting nothing. So eventually, my ENT decided, let's have a look. We need to see what's going wrong with your vocal cords. They eventually got in. And within seconds, he pulled the tube out and he goes, you've got a paralysed vocal cord. So, okay, so... Wow. What? We need to either inject some um, serum, you know, the cords could still reach out there and talk, or we could put an implant in. But I need to cut specialists about it. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, that's fine by me. Okay, then he come by and he goes, I'm just concerned you're a bit raspy in the chest. No, never, don't drink, never had a sip. I didn't know it. This was uh, 12 years ago, uh, nine years ago. Wow. And um, I said, hey, he said, can I get you for one more test? And I went, no. <laughs> I miss my students. And then he goes, just an MRI, what if I can book you in now across the road? And I went, oh, but, but it's got to be now. You know, sent me a week later, come back, sat in the chair. He put the scalp on that little white and he said, I'm really sorry to tell you, but we've found a tumour on your vocal cord. So then he said, you also have thyroid cancer. Wow. Jeez. So I, I wasn't as shocked most people would be because I've been a nurse and I knew what was about to happen. Mm. And I knew that straight away I did been as a friend. And I thought, well, I bet you some lymph nodes are infected and I bet you I get that your terminal call. They took several lymph nodes out. Uh, proximal, they were infected. They took a lot of distal lymph nodes and they were also infected. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> yeah, not in good shape. Uh, I had the operation off my vocal cord but it killed my vocal cord as you can hear here i've got a grumbly i mm. only have one functioning vocal cord um wow. so it's hard work to talk i i use different texts and um i then with radio reckon and um was three three days in severe isolation because i was active so i had to keep away from everyone and then on mm. the third day they took me down for a scan i was hoping to use but i i knew that i was and they they pulled me out and We'd be there in a minute, and about half an hour went by. And four doctors just come around the corner. Oh, I was struck by that. Before I'm, this, this can't be good. <laughs> and they said, oh, sorry, Mr. Coombs. Right, okay, this will be great. Telling the wife and the kids. So that's all mm-hmm. how it all happened. Wow. That sucks. All right, well, we'll let you have a, a breath for a moment there. <laughs> um Joe, would you like to tell us about your story? Yeah. Um, so I turned that magic age of 50, and when ladies turn 50, they all go and, and just get a, a a mammogram done. That's just a thing that, um, that you know, our wonderful country allows us to do. So mm-hmm. off I went and, and had the mammogram, um, and... Um, we, we got some results back. They said, oh, look, we need to have some further tests. Um, don't, don't be concerned though, because after a mammogram, you know, it's only one in ten who come back for the further tests that are actually, um, you know, that would usually be diagnosed with cancer. Um, and that, that figure I've, I've learnt since is actually not correct it's more like six out of ten um but they yeah don't worry about it let's just come back and do some tests and i um i had some further tests i actually went in all by myself um and had another mammogram and then they took out some um so 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 at, at that point at that point joe did you feel like um, did you have any suspicions? Were you a little bit nervous, I, you know? I think you're always nervous, um, but it, it was the, the one in ten when they said, like, it's just... Well, what's immediately... Sorry, what's immediately striking me with this is, so Coombsy 
has had some symptoms and, and gone to get it checked. You just yeah. happen to go because the government has sent out a thing saying you're 50, you can yeah. go and get checked. Yes. I mean, that I guess that's on its own shows you how good that particular thing is, that it's like this is catching people who may not even have noticed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, being a teacher as well, you kind of you get the invite to go and do a mammogram and, and you've got to figure out, okay, well, I'm not going to do that during the school term or do it during the school holidays. You know, you kind of you kind of um, delay it and, you know, make it, make it um, you know, as good as you possibly can. Convenient for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I went in and um, they did a, um, a 3D mammogram and then they decided to take a biopsy. Now, I, I don't know um, if you've ever known of anyone who has a, a breast biopsy done, but what what it is is it's basically a great big horse needle and they actually find a lump and they, um, with the, with the ultrasound, they basically mm. shoot a needle into the lump. And it, ah. it's a gun. It, and it sounds like a gun. So it's like the loudest, scariest. Did they warn you before this is going to make a big, loud, freaking noise? Yeah, it's going to be okay, a big good. <laughs> But don't worry about it because we've put lots of, um, you know, local, local anaesthetic in there. Um, but they, they didn't quite hit the right spot with that first lot of local anaesthetic. So as, as well as the big, loud banging noise, it was ridiculously painful. It was horrendous. Um, I can see yeah. I can see Coombsy nodding, and it yeah. sounds like he may have had something similar going on. On his neck, there we go, excellent. Oh, it's, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Um, and they found two lumps, so I had two two of those gunshots. Um, then they broke the rules. The nurses that were there during that um, that test actually broke the rules and said, look, you know, we, we need to tell you right now that it's cancer. So they didn't even t- send the biopsy away. It was obvious. Whatever whatever they saw wow. in the ultrasound and in the mammogram and whatever they got out of the horse needle, it, it was obvious that it was cancer and they, they didn't even wait, you know, for the mm. test. They, they had obviously seen that result, that sort of thing before and... Yes. Yeah, it's interesting that they found a need to tell you that immediately. That's and I and I yeah. didn't even realise the. I don't know if any if any of the listeners realise that there is a rule that that, you know that, that where they have to do the biopsy first and whatnot. Well, it's even yeah. with a, a regular ultrasound, you go there and you say. I mean, I this is in no way a comparison, but I had uh, gall stones and the guy checked it and clearly there was a gall stone and I said, what are you saying? He said, well, I can't say anything. It's like, I'm, I'm staring at it. You're staring at it. But anyway. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that was similar. You know, you could see up on the screen that they're aiming for this thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, this lump. Um, so I, I think maybe from their point of view, it was better to confirm my concerns rather than, Send me away, and then they um, a week later they um, invited me back in again, and I, at that stage I brought Peter in, and, and they officially told me that um, that I had cancer and that I needed a mastectomy. Mm. Mm. Um, all right, Pat, I'm aware of your story, but go for it. There's a couple of bits in some of these things that sound very familiar. I have to say from things you've told me, but go for it. Um, well, my story starts at about the age of 16. Um, I had a couple of dodgy moles on my back um, that I had removed by the local doctor, um, kept myself covered up, very fair skin, and and pretty much from that age avoided um, going out in the sun. Um, always had a shirt on, always had sunscreen on, always with a hat. 
Um, anybody who sees me would know that they need to have sunglasses on if they see me <laughs> in the sun because I reflect because of the whiteness. Um, it's just your aura, yeah. Pat. It's, it's, yeah. like, it's like when Mr. Burns walks out of the forest. That's what it is. <laughs> exactly. Um, when I was... Um, during my 20s, I had pretty much every year to two years, I would go and get a skin check. And I left one of these about six months longer because I was busy with work. I had a job that was finishing up and I had to finish a big project before I changed the jobs. And when I went and um, had the checkup, I don't even know, you know it was part of another check that I was doing and I was at work um, late on Friday evening. I was supposed to be going out to the um, end of year Christmas dinner and I got a phone call from the doctor and he said, look, normally we'd bring you in for this, but um, we want to tell you now so that we can make arrangements. Um, the the um, sample that we, was taken has come back and shown that there is um, – a uh, melanoma, it's a, a superficial spreading melanoma, um, and as such, given how aggressive they are, we wish to get you to a plastic surgeon as soon as possible. So I then had to go out and be merry for the Christmas dinner, um, mm-hmm. man- managed to have my car locked in the city car park, um, called out expletives at the top of my voice when that happened, which was probably heard around the city. Um, this was sort of in the transition to mobile phones at the end of the 90s. So I didn't have a mobile phone and there were no uh, Telstra um, phone boxes. Or we had to wait then for some of the other guys who were at the party to come back um, to get a phone to um, get a lift to where Mike was at the time and get a uh, car from there to be able to get home. I had a um, golf ball-sized section taken out of my back within two weeks of that. Literally literally a golf ball, really? Oh, yes, yeah. Um, The the melon baller, they call it, don't they? Yes. Melon baller. Ah, man, this was causing me agony. This at the time was done under local anaesthetic, um, something they wouldn't do now, be done under general. Um, so it, during the procedure, the guy said, would you like to see it? And I said, sure. So I got to see the bit that was taken out. Um, that, whole, that whole section was um, free of any signs of any cancer. So at that point, they gave me the all clear. Now, the original melanoma was point. Seven, this was 1997 two. or something, wasn't no, it? This was the end of 1998. 98. So this was um, 0.7374 millimetres in size. At that time, your 100%, um, you won't have a problem, was 0.7 millimetres. So they said, look, 99%, you'll never hear anything. If you haven't had anything after five years, you'll be fine. So I spent the next eight to ten years having yearly checkups and regular moles removed from my back that weren't suspicious but could become suspicious. We get through to 2016 and um, I was having a a shower and um, I washed under my left arm about midway up my chest. I felt a lump and I thought, well, that's a bit weird. Did some feeling around on it, thought, well, the feel of that doesn't feel like it's fatty tissue or anything. It feels way too solid for that. Got a size and everything on it. Made an appointment to go and see the doctor. The doctor did the same um, movement of the whole thing that I'd done and said, well, yeah, we'll send you off immediately for a an ultrasound. So the ultrasound, they did the thing and said, yeah, um, look, I can't tell you too much. I said, well, can you tell me, does it have a blood supply? And they said, yes. So at that point, I knew precisely what it was. Um, but you then have to wait. So the following Wednesday, I went in and got told. 
um, <laughs> referred immediately to Box Hill Hospital. So it's a malignant melanoma. So um, that was another general anaesthetic and removal of all of that. At that point, they say, look, um, we don't detect anything at the moment. Two weeks after that, I can detect the return of a growth in the scar tissue there. I mentioned it to them at the follow-up, and they said, no, 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 nothing's showing up on the scans. Yes, but you did tell me that doing a scan that way, it's very difficult to detect inside the scar tissue. Uh, yes, 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 but there's nothing in the, um, the lymph nodes under your arm. They, they seem to be okay. Um, and we, we, we're keeping an eye on a spot that may be in your lung. So we get through to the scan that was being done in about the March of the following year. So all of this had gone on sort of from um, July, August through to um, a procedure in about the end of September-ish. Um, so we're now through to um, in early 2017. So they say, look, We've found that there's two lymph nodes under your left arm and a couple of spots we're not too sure about that we want to investigate a little bit further that are in your lung. So sent off for full PET scans. And I said, what about this thing that's in the scar tissue? Now, when I'd had the last of the um, CT scans with the dye, which I'm sure the rest of you are familiar with, um, the it still didn't show up on that. So they were doing an ultrasound of the um, that area. Now, I grabbed the machine from the nurse who was not paying attention to the instructions she'd been given, which was we knew what was in the lymph nodes under the arm. The aim was to see what was at the site of the scar. So I grabbed the machine and said, humour me. And so we went along and through the scar, and she says, see, there's nothing there, and goes straight over the top of the area which has got the same black. You know, you, you can see what normal tissue looks like. And mm. then when you get to the tumour, it's sort of a black, it's not black, black hole type black, but it's extremely different to normal tissue. Mm. Scar tissue was different to normal tissue as well. Mm. So I can see it. She's ignored it. So I've gone back and made my position pretty clear to the oncology team, who at this point, after doing a PET scan, because they didn't trust what was there as well, have now seen that, yeah, it's there as well as the other spots. At which point I believe there was a reaming out of the radiology team done by the oncology team for poor practices, um, and they apologised profusely and said that this had led to a better process that was going on. Now, nice. my concern is that I'm pretty switched on. You know, I've had multiple times the oncologist say to me, you should have been a um, melanoma doctor because I can hear the information, process the information and come back with questions that um, are furthering the position, you know, you accept it, you move on. That's kind of what I do. Most people, and I don't know what you two guys were like, but most people will hear the information, go into shock about it, and can't really process. So the information that the oncologist gives is reasonably superficial as to the way they do it. What I would end up doing is asking questions where the oncologist would have to stop and think about what was going on. So... <laughs> The consequence of all of this was I was put onto an immunotherapy treatment in um, March of 2017 because my cancer was stage three, stage four, which means it can't be cut out. There's multiple sites, and yeah, your your prognosis is pretty bad. So within the next six months, the first three months, the, there were signs that the tumours had reduced. Um, at first, the thing on my side, you could feel it sort of, it seemed to be a, a, a good barometer of how things were going. 
because you could tell whether it was increasing or reducing. Didn't do much for a bit, started to reduce. The thing under my arm that in the lymph node, you could feel it. It was a lump. It, it disappeared. About four months in, I had a what now seems to be a reasonably common reaction to the immunotherapy. The immunotherapy process, there's two drugs they use. They use um, uh, ipilimumab and uh, uh, nivolumab or something like that, but ipi and nevo are the, what they call. These are the wonder drugs that they have. They give you about a 20% success rate um, of treating melanoma. They're working on trying to figure out what stops it. They work in two ways. The first way is they essentially send um, a marker to your lymph node so that your lymph node knows what the hell it's got to treat. So it can then supercharge and send out into the body looking for the cancer cells to kill. The second thing they do is the cancer cell masks itself in the body. What it tries to do is remove the mask. So if you come across the, the cancer cell, it's got the dark sunglasses on, the false moustache, and it's sitting there masking itself from everybody. The second drug tries to remove that. And that way, the supercharged um, cells can get in there and start to eat the cancer from the inside. Now, at the moment, for people who that this uh, doesn't work on, they're trying to figure out which part of it doesn't work because at this point, you have to have both sections working. Oh, you're saying they haven't worked work. out they haven't worked out whether it's one or the other that's not doing it. Well, it can be one or the other, but they if they know that say in ten percent of people it's one, but in seventy percent of it's the other, focus on the seventy, get yeah, yeah. that and get the percentage from twenty up to fifty or sixty. So what they are doing with the trials is they're varying this around. Mm -hmm. So what we um, did, I I turned up for my first session. I am positive, I am jovial and so on. So we're sitting there and um, the uh, nurse, Anthony, says, so this is your first time? And I said, yes, it is. You get to take my virginity. And there's just silence. As mm -hmm. They're not used to people sort of approaching this sort of with that level of humour. But I sort of sort of looked at that because yeah, he was about to put a prick in my arm. Uh, there you, go. <laughs> you have people there and they have their signs up with the number of sessions of chemotherapy they had. Uh, you, you, it was a very upbeat, a very positive place and um, extremely enjoyable. However, by the October, the lump is bigger, the thing's on the side. I'm at the same conclusion as the oncologist, it's not working. So um, I've got six months, six months to live at this point in time. I'm at the stage of thinking, well, they have said that this, there's this second option. Now, the first thing they did when they get a melanoma uh, tumour is they take it off and they do um, a, um, an analysis of, analysis of it to see whether you have the BRAF mutation. This mutation means that you're going to be eligible for another branch of drugs. So it was explained to me that I had three approaches. I had this trial, I have BRAF mutation drugs, and then I can go on to the final one, which is the uh, immunotherapy. However, the immunotherapy has already not worked. So that's not going to be a, a starter. So this is really my final option, which is the BRAF. So I started that in um, October of 2017. It's a series of tablets. And they give you a... Um, with all of these drugs, of course, and I'm sure you're all familiar with it, is you get pages and pages of these are all the things that can go wrong with you. Um, now, right, during and, the... And, and, and presumably, you, you, you take these medicines... You're not feeling great. Uh, mm -hmm. Look, I during the um, the immunotherapy, I was fine. I was still swimming at the pool. I was, I didn't have any real difference to what I was doing. I just go in there, get the immuno, the treatment, and go back to work. That's why those drugs are so amazing. 
um, they just like, we didn't work for them. But halfway <laughs> through, it, because it supercharges the uh, immune system, it heads to anywhere in your body and it can affect anywhere in your body. This is, I, I, you're not, for those of you who aren't football followers, you probably wouldn't know, but there's a guy called um, Roughhead from Hawthorne who used to play for Hawthorne. Jared? Yep. He had exactly the same thing, exactly the same treatment. Now, when he had his treatment, the supercharged cells went and they gave him a form of hepatitis. He went in the hospital and was treated for that, got better from it all. It got rid of all of his tumours. He's still tumour-free, and he was going through the same treatment around about the same time as me. Um, for me, so so it, so, so, so the diff- so really, in in his case, it it actually worked. Okay, yes. so he got he got a reaction, whatever they fixed the reaction, but it worked. In your case, it hasn't worked. Yes, but now, he also got a reaction. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, so you got all the bad it. side, but none of the oh, good no, side. Oh no, no. Um, in the middle of it, it hit my pituitary, effectively turning off the adrenal cortex within the pituitary right. <laughs> uh, uh, gland. And so that means that you don't produce cortisol, and that means that you don't produce adrenaline. So I'm now on artificial adrenaline. It's, a, it's the equivalent of um, Addison's disease, uh, which is what um, uh, JFK had. Before he got shot. Not, yes. not familiar. <laughs> yes. Before his the permanent <laughs> disease of, yes, of le- yeah, lead poisoning. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, that was a drastic way of solving Addison. Um, the, okay, I'm not, I'm not familiar. I am familiar with many diseases, but not Addison's. So, so I, I now have artificial um, adrenaline. He was very hard to scare, let's put it that way. Yes. Um, I, when I went on to the BRAF treatment within two weeks the tumors melted every day you could just feel it shrinking and so the one on my side just disappeared completely the things under my arm disappeared completely so um when we went and had the first scan um everything seemed to be gone so this is a fantastic thing so that's a case of how long does it last well i don't know this is all new drugs at the time, they said you can have three years. Well, we're beyond the three years now. So I thought beauty. So the latest um, work that is being um, done in the, 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 the publications, they've got people who um, are out at five years and they've got the anecdotal people at eight years and at 11 years. But they don't have a statistically meaningful number of people. So give them another two or three years and they'll have a statistically meaningful number for um, the eight years. Anyway, I was the first set of drugs I was on worked. So hang on, hang on, just to be clear. So what we're saying is it has worked, but we don't know how long it's going to work for. Yes. However, this is the, the approach with this is that you are on these drug these drugs for life. So daily tablets, the first lot that I had had a cycle. The cycle involved um, me taking them until essentially my uh, um, tolerance, the toxicity in the body got too much. That was usually um, easily determined by throwing up, um, (laughs) feeling like crap for a few days, and um, you'd just stop it. The toxicity, toxicity level goes down, you start it up again. So I did that for uh, over a year, at which point they were having real trouble monitoring or maintaining the toxicity. So I had to change drugs and I moved on to another lot. Same type of behaviour, different way of doing it, different set of side effects, etc. So, Those so, ones. So were- let me let me just I'll just stop you there. And I mean, you know, we've we've heard three stories of. Um, cancer which isn't you know nice it's not a not exactly the topic i was hoping for today to be perfectly honest <laughs> there's an right? awful lot of nodding as well with everyone who's talking the others are nodding because it's clear that the experiences or even part of the experiences are you know shared um 
Coombsy has been doing an awful lot of nodding, I guess. Yeah, but 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 Mike, Mike, what, yes. Mike Alama, what what bubble exactly are we picking here? Well, what, I mean, what, what I wanted to do, it's it's as well as giving people a, a voice, it's uh, the the second part is what I wanted to to kind of go about. Um, I know that Coombsy's very big online, and certainly he has a reasonable um, public persona, I would say, of of campaigning and bringing attention to uh, cancer and treatments um do you want to do you want to talk about some of the stuff you've you've been doing yeah yeah i'll um it really just happened uh, when i was when i was given the really bad news of mate peter and he basically said you know who do you have on a bucket list to no one because he said, well give me a bucket list and we'll see what we can do so the following day i rang him up and i just said Okay, Smarty, I want to meet Nickelback, and I know that's going to be contentious. I want to uh, Adam Hills, Andrew Johns. I want to go over the Antarctica, and I want an autograph photo of Christy Weir the following day. Okay, I know you. I, I know you're going to see Nickelback, and I've organised for you and your daughter to meet him as much as he hated that. Can I, can I ask, um, did he get a photo of himself? Later, a few days later, I can you not, I get a phone call from him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's um, a good man. <laughs> to meet Adam Hills at the end of one of his shows, um, and he basically said, look, I don't know what I can do, but I'll do what I can to keep you happy. And anyway, following year, you know how we had that Adam Hills Tonight show? Mm. Um, we got some tickets to see that, and they are you have any party trip? My mate Peter B decided to dob me in and tell them that every Tuesday I used to post a photo and Naked Tuesday I called it covering uh, so, so bits with hang, hang on a second because I'm not I, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't get it's breaking up a little bit sorry <laughs> there, 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 was, there was something that I didn't get that wasn't clear who who was it that said put yeah. a bucket list together my mate Peter B right, a good so, friend of mine and then, right, good friend and then, of yours. Good friend of yours then, said, "I'm a good, I'm, I'm a good, I'm a good mate. Let's. I want you to put a bucket list, and we're going to yep. see if we can make all of that happen." Is and that right? Made it all happen. Wow. Uh, my, my wife and I flew over the Antarctica. Wow. wow. Um, I got to meet Chris. Yep. And then after the meeting with Adam Hills, we went on to Adam Hills tonight. Myself and Adam done some photos, uh, Naked Tuesday style. So. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen those, yes. <laughs> Bring the important bits with a prop. <laughs> You've seen that. Yeah. Yep. And then the Tuesday part just evolved. The crew with its own leg. I have had thousands and thousands and thousands of people. We've done calendars. We've raised money for different cancer charities. Um, awesome. I, I've had to bring that to a bring that to a halt because I now live at a my time I'm spending just also now with my family. So, yeah. but um, every now and again, I do a naked Tuesday to keep hunters happy. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep the public going, don't you? Yeah, this is the, <laughs> this is very good. Joe. I can't, I can't imagine, I can't imagine oh. that situation. I just think I mean, it's. Uh, but yeah. the naked Tuesdays, you're having trouble imagining naked Tuesdays. I don't know Tuesday. what the naked Tuesdays are, but I'm just saying, I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine the situation of having to put a bucket list together because, yeah, because I, I may not be around. I mean, it's just a, a crazy situation. Can I just tell you one more? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Lockdown, we have a, I, I, I did have a mate ring me and go, this is after about the third week, and he goes, now I understand what it's like to be like you. And I went, go out anywhere, and I know you've been restricted for a few years. I said, well, they in honesty, but I tell you what, today I have to rewrite my funeral because I may only be glad to that that's hard. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would think I think that's a bit that's a bit of a crazy statement to make. I don't think anyone experiencing COVID lockdown could look and make a claim and say, "I know what it's like to be like you." That's, <laughs> I mean, that, that's. I don't think that's a reasonable thing to be saying, surely. It happened. Yeah, I don't think that's really reasonable right. at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Wow. And that's, mm. yeah, that's intense. 
that's so what, now you've said, um, uh, Kunji, you've said about the um, your liver issues and things. So you have um, do, you're having treatment, ongoing treatment for that. Are you still having treatment for the actual cancer or, or um, those sorts of things, or is it just the other stuff that's being um, attacked? I guess no. the last lot I yeah sorry that yeah, yeah the last lot I had was in May. I had some more uh, targeted radiation. Yep. Given the livers. In all kidney a specialist, and this second procedure on my back to do it, I, it's, uh, it's, it's doing a good job of picking me apart slowly. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something I, I, I do, as I've said to, to you guys and the listeners as well. I, I do follow um, Coombsy on Twitter, and yeah, it's um, he goes through a lot, let's just put it that way, but he's always got a smile and he's always making other people smile, which is actually why he's on, because it's very entertaining watching some of his... Not not too close, I'm not looking too close. Um, <laughs> I feel... i I, 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 I got to say, it makes me feel guilty because I really, I rarely have a smile on, so... Uh, yeah, that's right, you're just a miserable git anyway. Joe, I want to I wanna, I wanna, wanna go to you. So what what's the... Um, What's the stage you're at with things now? How how are you uh, progressing with, um, I guess, life? What what's what's going on with you now? Yeah. Um, so I was, I guess, I was one of the lucky ones. Um, I did have to go in twice to um, get all of the cancer. Um, but I didn't have to do any radiation or chemo or anything like that. So once the mastectomy was done, it was done. Um, yeah. The second time they went in, they did take some lymph nodes just to make sure. Um, so I'm, I'm basically cancer-free. Um, but mm, definitely is this, where we, is this where we do the Oprah collapse? No, no Oprah collapse, just... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was what three years ago, 2018. Um, so I've, I've basically been living my life, um, you know, with a with one boob, and the the other boob's just been a pretend boob. Um, and <laughs> I've I've I have been I am a pretty good girl, so. I've been pretty lopsided for, you know, since 2018 all the way through to now. Um, and I've always wanted to have a reconstruction. Um, initially they said, well, we can't really do the reconstruction now because your, your BMI isn't fantastic. So let's, let's get you to lose some weight. Um, and then of course COVID hit. So oh, on Tuesday I had a, another phone call and I I wasn't initially I wasn't going to accept that date because at work where you know where we were trying to do a um, a musical so <laughs> and and the joke has always been oh. you know wouldn't it be really funny if if they rang me up and offered me <laughs> a, a week a day during the week of, of school production. Um, so, so never, never make any jokes like that because it comes to. <laughs> <laughs> um, even worse, even worse because just for everyone else, Joe's the conductor as well. So it makes it, <laughs> it doesn't make it oh. awkward for everyone else. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. just, I'm just fascinated that I'm, I'm just fascinated that that yeah. you, that you decided to put like the school's needs in above your own. I just, yeah. Well, initially, yeah. initially I, I did that and I'm sure Kunzi would have, you know, had that same, you know, anybody with cancer who has, you know, who, who has, um, you know, responsibilities elsewhere, you all, the initial major is, uh, like, you know, with that test, let's, let's find a really convenient time to make this happen. Um, or, it works first or everybody else first. But I think especially when you're a teacher as well. Like yeah. you say, you've you've got responsibility of a big bunch of people and yeah. Yeah. So when they rang me on the Tuesday for my answer, I, I couldn't actually believe believe it. But I, I had to say, Yeah, okay, I'm gonna take that date. 
Um, right, and this is for the reconstruction. This is for the reconstruction. Right. Um, and there's, there's a lot of, there's, there's a few ways which you can have reconstruction. Um, you can have like essentially a, a balloon put into you. Um, and then as you, you know, as you fluctuate with weight and things like that, they can, um, increase or decrease the balloon. The balloon equivalent needs to be taken out every 10 years in replaced. Wow. It forever. But I, I didn't want anything artificial in me. I've got enough. Is that, is that like a, <laughs> nice. Is that, <laughs> is that balloon like a silicon balloon or something? Or how, how, I can't imagine it's like full of air. It's not full of air, no. It, it would have something in there. But <laughs> it's good. All right. Kind of, you know, real. Yeah. It would right. have some silicony thing, I think. Um, you know, like a, yeah, breast implant type, you know, mm. thing. Um, but I, um, but what we've done essentially is we've had a wonderful tummy tuck. I have got the best tummy ever in my entire life. You what's, know? what's the name of the surgeon? I might need to pop down there as well. Oh, no, no right. they can't help you. Oh, thank they you can. very much. No, you can't <laughs> help me. Me too. You can't be so, you'd, you'd need you, you'd need to visit the zoo for that. <laughs> nice, oh. a vet maybe. <laughs> oh gosh, but the the fact the the, the fact <laughs> my tummy is actually um, now in my right breast. It's created a it's created a new breast, mm. and my existing breast they basically have cut in half. Right. So I. I've had a tummy tuck. I've my my breast has been reduced, um, and they've used the fat from my tummy to create a new breast. And the yeah. shops are all closed, and you need a whole lot of new clothing. I do, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. So um, I've got to go in again on. Um, I've, I've got to go in tomorrow actually because. Um, back into hospital because they're not happy with my tummy scar. Um, so they're going to redo a little bit of that. It's not sealing properly. It's not closing yeah, okay. in properly. Um, All the rest for that, Yeah, thank you. Mm. But, yeah, I've only been out of hospital um, two weeks. Wow. And, and, and I'm, a bit, uh, I'm, I'm a bit interested in I'm, – I'm a bit interested in this – I mean – why was getting a breast reconstruction for you um, an, an important thing? I mean, hmm. why was that important? I mean, I, I don't, yeah. don't want to. I don't know how to how to ask the question without asking the question. So I'll be I'll be as tactful as I normally am. <laughs> Prepare yourself, everyone. Yeah. Did, did you did you feel did you feel less of a did you feel less feminine or did you feel less of a, a, a woman or was that part of the psychology of it? Maybe less uh, Joe. Well, I just, part of it, I, I think, I think mostly I was ridiculously lopsided, you know, right. I, okay. and, and I didn't, you know, it doesn't look pretty when you're lopsided, when you've got no boob on one side. And a great big huge boob on another side. Running and around in circles. I mean, <laughs> it's it just, it's not, it's, it's not. Um, right, so, so, so it's, so it was a very, so it was a very physical, it was a very physical thing yeah. for you then. Yeah. It's, a, it's actually really a big thing for for women after they have this. That, that's something that people kind of forget about. They focus on the cancer, and this is something I was hoping to sort of discuss with everyone, is you, once the cancer is discussed, people kind of forget about it after that. But then, as Joe's pointing out, there's a whole – there's a lifestyle change and there's an identity change um, that, that corresponds with all this, and most people don't think about it beyond that. Um so you can't, you, you know, there's clothing that you can't wear. You know, you can't wear bathers and go swimming. Right, um, right. And feel comfortable, you know. Um, and being a little bit, 
selfish too. You know, I, I guess I reached a point where I sort of thought, you know, I've, I've gone through this. I've, I've beaten cancer. I've, I've gone through this thing. Um, I'm going to be a little bit selfish. And if they, if they offer plastic surgery and make me look a little bit better than what I have done, yeah. have looked like in the past, then I'm going to take it. And, you know, it is painful and it, it is, um, you know, some people might think it, it is, you know, selfish because it is just an elective surgery. I didn't have to have this done, you know, to, um, you know, because I was sick or anything. It, it's just an elective. I, I can't think anyone would think that that was a selfish um, thing to be doing. <laughs> oh, no, some people might. Yeah. Some people well, might. Well, we're here to prick their bubble. There you go. You asked the question. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, it, look, it's interesting. A lot of arguments could be made in a lot yeah. of different directions and a lot of people have sort of varying views on a lot of things. So. It took us 55 minutes, Coombsy, but we got to the bubble-pricking part. Pat, I have a question for you. <laughs> question for you. So that yeah, the I ongoing we stuff... To, we probably need to... Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. Shush, don't tell me how to do my job. Hey, Pat. you're not doing any job. Doing <laughs> no job from you. Sure. Pat, the stuff that uh, you have to, to uh, deal with now is mostly managing the um, the side effects, isn't it? That's kind of what you're at now of your current drug uh, regime. I'm, I'm still because I'm still on these drugs. I'm not cured. Yep. There there is no cure, as the oncologist has mentioned. And you think, gee, you don't need to do that. Um, yeah, thanks. You, know, that, yeah. you, you think about you think about it enough as it is. Um, the, at the moment, it's just regular scans, manage the side effects, um, and continue living for as long as it lets me live. There's one thing that Pat said a couple of years back that sort of stuck with me and because I'm clearly related to him, uh, I, it's something that I've had to keep track yeah, of as he's well. He's my so sister. That's right. Well, that I have wasn't to, so clear, but anyway, now it is. It is. Thank you. I have to be aware, you know, so I'm, I'm part of that group now that has family members who have had cancer, which then increases the chances that I might get it. So mm. I have to go and get the skin checks all the time as well. And one thing mm. I remember Pat saying to me years ago was, yeah. you go in, you have your check, and they say, yes, you're clear. But then immediately... The moment you leave that doctor's, you're now starting to think maybe I'm not clear from now on. Yeah. And, and so you you always have that, that, you know, the little niggling thing in the back of your head where you're like, well, I was clear then, but that doesn't mean I am right now. So you've got to make sure you keep up with your regular checks. Um, and yeah, that would drive me nuts. Well, that would well speaking, mean... speaking of nuts, it, it's it's the usual thing they say for, uh, for testicular cancer. They, they say, check it, check it. Is it the anniversary of your birthday? I think it is. So, if, like me, born on the 27th, yeah. check at the 27th of each month. Joe, yep. you would say similar sort of Never. thing. Make sure you do a check. Um, Coombsy, yeah. you, you, I guess yeah, your, your example. Check your neck. Check your neck. Check it all. Friggin' check it all. Pat, Jeez, you're holding yeah. up a sign that says what? I can't read that. What does it say? <laughs> well, when I turned 50, I got my bowel cancer. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you've got to say the poo in the fridge to send to people. Isn't yeah, that the way that works? nodding as well. Allegedly. I got the bowel cancer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got the bowel cancer kit and all that. I didn't do mine. Um, you haven't done it yet, but you will no, now. I, I didn't. No, I probably won't because... Why? I, well, because I... I, I had gone, I'd gone to see a doctor prior to actually. They said they were a doctor, but yes, go on. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's a doctor, right? Yeah. And you can. And they're already saving his poo. <laughs> anyway, so, that, so I got the, I got a test done prior to the kit arriving. Okay, so yeah, yeah. I didn't really need to do it, but yeah, look, I mean, how, how often are you supposed to check your poo and? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Let's not have that as the trailer for the next one. Sorry, Joe. What was that? Every two years. Every two years. years. Right. Years. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm a bit. So I'm probably up for that very soon. Yes, Pat. I'm still having um, PET scans and things like that. So I figure if there's anything there, they'll pick it up on that. 
So I find fascinating. What I find fascinating. Hang on, let me talk. Yes, go. What? What I find fascinating about you lot and maybe other people like you guys, right? Is I mean, how do you how do you remain positive? I mean, what's your alternative? Well, I. I, there, there is no, but that's not what I'm asking. I'm not saying show me an yeah. alternative. I'm saying how do you do it? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand how it's done. I'm not the most positive person in the world, so I, I could say it ain't so. I, I could I, probably learn something, right? And I'm, yeah, I, and I'm guessing, and I'm guessing a lot of people out there probably there's probably an epidemic, uh, especially nowadays, of of not of a lack of positivity. That's true. To, yeah. So, so I'm trying true. to say, well, how do you remain positive? All right. Well, how about we ask each of our our guests, Pat, go for it. How do you do it? Is it because you well, work with someone who's awesome? Oh, sorry, that's me. Keep going. No, no. Thanks. Sure it's not that. <laughs> um, I think it's a case of if you allow yourself to be negative, and and this is a general thing in life. If you allow yourself to feel negative and let every little thing get you down, you end up with the potential for a spiraling. And you end up in a deep down dark place where you vote for Trump. Now, how <laughs> to get political yeah. in there? Yeah. Just for nice, you, doctor. Nice. Um, but you can't let yourself get into that spiral. So why would you concentrate on something that is going to be a trigger point potentially for such behaviour? Now, the way I've done it is I tend not to talk to people or hang around with people who have cancer. I, I work no offense to everybody. <laughs> yeah, but I work full time. Um, I don't leave the house, which is lock, not dependent on lockdown. I don't leave. You the were house. starting that trend beforehand. I've had that trend for years. I'm not a social person. I prefer my own company, um, but I don't need that stimulation to keep myself positive. Others do. So, like I've. I'm sitting here at the moment while while we're talking, building a city um, in city skylines. The the back of the house has got the yeah the back of the house has got a massive Lego construction of a city. So you're keeping your brain busy at all times because if you don't keep your brain busy, it thinks about the cancer, and you don't need it thinking about the cancer beyond the time when you're actually thinking about the cancer when you're talking to the oncologists or dealing right. with your treatment. Yep. Joe, the takeaway is keep your mind. Hang on, the takeaway is keep your mind busy and and you know find find things to do. Keep your mind going. Yeah. Joe, how about you? Well, I'm I keep myself um, as busy as I can. Um, can I, I can think... I interrupt your answer very quickly and say I would have I would have thought that part of the reconstructive surgery helped you in this particular thing as well because you're not then going to be constantly reminded every time you get up in the morning and look in the mirror oh shit look at that and so you've got a positive uh impact there sorry i'll shut up keep going you know after after the mastectomy and you know for those three years when i was waiting for this reconstruction there were some pretty hard times you know because you're just waiting your whole life is on hold waiting for this next part of the, the healing process. So it has been quite difficult to, to continue being, you know, positive and things like that. But during the time, during that time, you know, I'm, I'm working, I've got my students, I'm doing things that I love to do. Um, you know, I, as a teacher, you're always wanting to, um, I guess, you know, give it, positivity no, no matter what you're feeling and, and what's happening in your life so you know you're always wanting to show students you know the, the best part of you um but there were some pretty hard times you know just waiting for that stupid phone call um that would be tough and um but now yeah. but now it's done so now i'm on the other side of the mountain you know uh, as yeah. far as Oh, I'm cancer-free. Yeah, but Joe, but Joe, how do you remain positive? How do you tell us how to remain positive? Me? Yeah, how Um, do you remain positive? What's your your takeaway for everyone that's listening? 
what should people do in that situation, in any situation, just to remain positive, keep going, remain positive? I think you've got to always think, you know, what what can I do next? What can I look forward to doing next? Um, once once I've I've had you know the reconstruction and things like that, now is the time for me to heal. Now is the time for me to just spend time on my on myself, mm. um, and you know look forward to what I can do now that, that I wouldn't have been able to do. Earlier on, you know, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, go swimming in Now I can. I would also say of of the people, and now I've only recently just met Coombsy, but I would say of the people here, I would say Joe, and of the people I know, is one of the most positive people I've met anyway. So you're coming from a reasonably high level to begin with, which probably where, where is... Where do I which sit is, on that scale? You, you are waiting on the bench. <laughs> I think you've got to laugh. I think that's the other thing. You've just got to, you've just got to laugh. Yeah. You know, you've got to enjoy the time that you have, you know. Um, you've that's got why to... there are mirrors in my house because I know I have to laugh. So. Whereas I'm on the other side of that scale, I've got the mirrors because I'm enjoying the time that I have. <laughs> Very good. Um, can <laughs> I just can laugh I... of you? <laughs> That's right, Coombsy. Uh, now I know we've had a few yep. muffled muffled bits with your connection, but I am going to mm. make sure that we get it. I want to hear okay. your philosophy because you, you're pretty inspirational. Looking at the stuff you say, um, so go for it. What are the sorts of things? Same question from Brant Raven there, Doctor Raven. What are the things that keep you positive during some pretty shitty stuff? I must add. Please don't run it because my battery's about to run out. Oh, <laughs> like me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, Blake, I have a, a, a mantra that I live by that I try to tell everyone to live by that knows me. Make the rest of your life the best of your life. Sounds very good. Sounds so, let, let, so let's repeat that because that's a good mantra. I really want to see you. So that's, that, that's a good mantra. Let's repeat it. So what, what is it again? The make the, the rest of your, your life. life the best of your life. The best of your life. Yep. And yes. you can okay. do that however you choose. And I just want everyone else to be kind to themselves and look after themselves because I've been looked after well. I've seen a couple of things. I haven't thought the birth of my grandson and the birth of my mm. granddaughter. I've two ever in this whole journey. Yeah. And now that I have, I actually feel a complete. So everything else is a bonus, like, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Each day now is just the day. Oh, I know that it's coming in fairly soon. I'm okay with that. My battery running out. Yeah, no, I think that's that's awesome. It's it's uh, again, as I said, uh, you you um, very inspirational. The stuff that I uh, that I see on Twitter and finally meeting you in person, well, over the <laughs> over the internet, you. uh, you're just as awesome as I thought. So that is excellent. Um, wow, yeah, guys, it's, very, it's, it's so compelling. Every every story, every message is is compelling, and and um, and I've got to be honest. I, I hear these stories. I sometimes hear these stories a lot, like from the wife or whatever. Um, and hearing them, and and like knowing some of the people, it, it it makes me feel really crap. I feel really really crap because no, it really does. And I and I, I want to explain that. I yes, do explain I, it. I feel crap because it makes me realise how nothing in in my life is something that I can worry about. There's I've I've got not a a single thing to actually concern myself about, right? Oh, I don't know. I've and, seen your face. Thank you. Um, yes. And 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 yet I do, right? I get upset. <laughs> I get grumpy. I get angry. I get annoyed. I I I, I find. I find annoyance and anger in the smallest things and none of what I'm annoyed about could ever be compared to the mountain that I'm that I, you know that that I've heard today right so I guess my, my but, take it, away, but isn't you being being annoyed your natural state yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, maybe it is maybe it is my natural state but but you know maybe that needs to maybe that needs to change right? isn't it like, isn't that like movies and books where the world needs a villain there we go you can be that villain 
Yeah, look, maybe maybe that's true. Maybe that's completely true. Um, I you know don't know what to say to that, but I'm just saying it, my takeaway and, and the message I will give is you know don't don't be annoyed at the don't 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 be annoyed at the small stuff. You know, don't sweat the small stuff. And I, I'm I'm terrible at knowing at taking that message across and doing something with it. I'm really bad at it. Don't be so bad. So maybe we've me. pricked your bubble during this episode. Well, I don't think I don't think my bubble's been pricked. I think I've always known a this gentle stuff. nudge. Yeah, maybe. I think I've always known this stuff. I'm just saying I'm not great at taking that message with me. But that doesn't mean that it's the wrong message. No, it's that's good, true. It, it's the it's the right message. And just because I'm bad at it and just because a listener out there might be bad at taking that message and doing something with it, that doesn't mean you should stop you shouldn't you should stop. It's like smoking. Just because you smoke now, it doesn't mean and, and you've tried to give up, it doesn't mean you should stop giving up. Try you should stop trying. You've got to keep trying and making sure that the smallest things don't affect you because it's just not worth it. All right. Look, on that note, I reckon we might well, wrap good. it up, but I really want to thank our guests. So thanks to Pat down there. I can see him in the bottom. Thank you. Thank you to Joe. Thanks. Thank I'll say you thanks, thanks to Audio Pete as well, even though he said sweet F.A. during the entire <laughs> podcast, but that's all right. Today's yeah. episode featuring the, I, I, no audio. That's right. The, the I, thought, I am formally, sure, Mike. I'm yes. sure, Mike, that you did say that there was 14 seconds allocated to him. <laughs> That's true. It'll be in the next podcast. <laughs> and, and I want to give a special thanks up there to Coombsy. You're awesome, and I will continue Thank chatting you. to you on Twitter, and please, yes, you take Thank care you. as well. All of you. Thank, Thank you so much. Take care. Take care, Excellent. everyone. Thank you. Thank you for all your perspectives. Yes. All right. Thank you, everyone, and we'll uh, see there. you in the next podcast. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.